Welcome to Dig Deep. A couple months ago, our minivan started making a weird noise. It started out as a faint, squeaky squeal of a noise, but it was really faint and it wasn't very consistent. And so I didn't pay too much attention to it. And then a few weeks later, that sound had gotten louder and more consistent, and more pronounced in every way, to the point where I knew I couldn't ignore this. And so naturally, I decided I'm going to lean on all of my years of vehicle maintenance, wisdom, and expertise, and do what any intelligent person would do, and ask myself two very basic questions. One, is anything wrong with my vehicle? As far as I can tell, is anything not working properly? And the answer was no, everything seems to be working just fine. And then the second question, of course, is are there any lights flashing on my dashboard? Is there anything saying, oh, you better get this van into the shop immediately? And the answer to that was no. There's no lights lit up on the dashboard. Everything seems to be working fine. And so naturally, I assumed this horrible squeaking, squealing noise will probably just go away at some point, right? And I don't know if I thought that that logically, but that's certainly what my behavior reflected because I stalled and delayed and delayed taking it into the shop. We are kicking off a brand new series today called Dysfunctional. And I want to open this series by today asking the question, do you have any relationships in your life like that? Do you have relationships that seem to be functioning pretty well? I mean, everything's running along pretty smoothly, but there's something that isn't right. There's a tension. There's a squeaking or a squealing that is maybe getting louder over time. And you know, you should probably take a closer look, but in the busyness of life, you just let it go on by. Well, with my van, again, I knew I should probably take it into the shop, but life was busy, and so several more weeks went by. I eventually brought it up with my husband. He doesn't drive that car all that often, and he even acknowledged, yeah, I thought I heard something weird the other day when you were pulling in the driveway. We probably should have it looked at. And then fast forward again a few more weeks. I know we're terrible. I pull into the driveway and get out of my car, and our next-door neighbor, Ray, is out watering his lawn, and he turns and says to me, hey, you know you really should get that sound checked out on your van. And I said, I know, yeah, we've been meaning to take it in. And he said, well, I only bring it up because I know that sound and I think it's probably your power steering pump. I was like, oh, I've never even heard that that was a thing and that it would make a squealing noise. He said, yeah, I've replaced them on two of my vehicles over the years and it starts with a noise sort of like that. And sometimes it's just a minor leak or repair that's needed and other times it just needs to be flushed out. But if you wait too long, you'll have to replace the whole thing. And that's a major repair and kind of a bummer of a bill to get. Well, that finally motivated me, and I thought, okay, we got to take it in. And later that week, when we finally got it into the shop, Ray's suspicions were confirmed. We needed a new power steering pump. It had to be completely replaced because real damage had been done, perhaps because we waited too long. And so if you were to imagine your life like a well-oiled machine, everything's running along smoothly, today I want you to think about the person, that relationship in your life that always seems to just come in and mess with everything a little bit. You're having a good day 
until you realize you have a meeting with that particular coworker. You're having a good week until you saw that friend and they dumped their drama on you again. You're looking forward to the holidays with the exception of the fact that you know you're going to sit across the table from that person. For some of you, this person is your spouse. And maybe you felt that there's something not quite right. There's a tension. There's a disconnect. And maybe you don't even know exactly what's causing it, but it seems to be getting wider and wider. This distance between you is growing And so as we start this series today, we want to consider how do we keep our relationships as healthy and functional as possible? And we're going to look at a passage of scripture where Paul is addressing this very thing to a group of believers in Rome. There was evidently some tension in some of their relationships, some differences, some lack of unity, and he gives them some really simple, practical advice that we're going to look at today. Paul is sort of in this passage like the friendly neighbor who's saying to us today, hey, you know, you probably should have that looked at sooner rather than later. In Romans 12, verse 16, Paul says, live in harmony with each other. Live in harmony with each other. Like a well-oiled machine, this should be easy to do. But of course, we know from everyday life, that it's easier said than done. And so it's tempting for us to say to Paul, yeah, well, easy for you to say, Paul, but I'm going to need some more specific direction. Because if I were to ask you right now to picture that person, and you know who I'm talking about, the person, picture her face, picture his face. I'm guessing that your heart rate just went up a little bit just from picturing their face. And so the thought of living in harmony with that person is not that simple. Well, Paul does give us some great instructions in the context of this verse to help us understand how we can achieve this harmony, how we can keep our relationships functional, working like a well-oiled machine. In fact, these words that Paul just said, live in harmony with each other, are preceded by some really famous words from the Bible. In fact, growing up, even if you didn't grow up around the Bible, you may have heard this phrase before. Maybe you didn't even know it was in the Bible. Verse 15 of this passage, Paul says, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Maybe you heard it growing up as rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And this sounds nice. I mean, it sounds pretty simple. It sort of sounds like Paul's just saying, hey, go to weddings and dance and go to funerals and cry. But I think there's something more that we have to look at here in this verse today. This verse in particular hit me squarely between the eyes several months ago when I had coffee with a friend. And I'll tell you, going into this particular coffee date, I was nervous. I was really nervous because this friend and I had not really talked much for several months And I knew that the cause of that was several months before I had gone through something really tough, one of the toughest times in my life. And it was a grieving time for me, a time of mourning, a time of weeping. And this friend tried in some ways to be there for me, but I felt hurt through some miscommunications and some misunderstandings where I felt like she wasn't really there to grieve with me the way that I had hoped she would have been. 
And so that tension led to silence and several months of silence. And when we ran into each other and said, hey, you know, we should grab coffee and catch up sometime, we put a date on the calendar. And here I was sitting outside the coffee shop and I was nervous. I was trying to prepare my heart to go in with a loving attitude and a forgiving perspective, ready to embrace her and hear about what's going on in her life and forget and forgive the little tensions that were in the past. While things were going well, we had just some small talk time and then catching up, hearing about what was going on in each other's lives. And then she started to tell me about an event that had taken place in her life a couple months prior that had been one of the greatest experiences in her whole life. I mean, truly one of the biggest celebrations that she will ever experience this side of heaven. And she started talking about it And I was so caught off guard when this friend across the table from me burst into tears and could barely get the words out through her sobs. She took that opportunity to express to me how hurt she was that I hadn't been there for her to truly celebrate with her. And you could have scraped me off the floor of that Panera with a spatula. I was so caught off guard. I was so dumbfounded, so confused. I had gone in there thinking that I would be the one who would need to explain to her how I felt let down by her, how I felt hurt by her. And here I was hearing that she was hurt by me. And I'm grateful that even though I was a little shocked and confused that The rest of that coffee went really well. We were able to express our care for one another and apologize for the disconnects and the miscommunications that happened between us. We were able to hug and part ways as friends at peace with each other. But when I got in my car, I sat in silence in that parking lot for a really long time. And the verse that kept going through my brain again and again and again was this Seemingly simple verse, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. See, I believe today as we're thinking about this relationship, the one in your life where you feel this tension, you feel out of step. I think there are several things that can lead to that out of stepness. And one of them is as simple as our circumstances, our circumstances. And this is what my friend and I were experiencing. We fall out of step when one of us is weeping and the other one is celebrating. We are just naturally out of step. This is why we fall out of step when one family member is cranking out children and the other family member is struggling with infertility. We fall out of step when our coworker gets the promotion and we get passed over for the promotion yet again. We fall out of step just because of our circumstances. Sometimes we fall out of step because of our different personalities. We talked about this way back in the introvert and extrovert series, how to love an introvert, how to love an extrovert. We fall out of step sometimes because of the differences in our personalities. Nobody's trying to hurt anybody, but there's a misunderstanding. This is why we fall out of step when we say something in a way that we know any extrovert would understand to be loving and thoughtful, 
but we don't realize that it makes introverts totally cringe. This is why we fall out of step when one person constantly appeals to logic and the other person is saying, listen, I'm just trying to share my feelings. I just want to be heard. We fall out of step because of personality differences. And we fall out of step because of miscommunication. Sometimes something just falls through the cracks. I mean, we've all experienced the frustration of a misread email. Tone in an email can be so easily misinterpreted. And just as a side note, if you don't get anything else from this episode, just some free advice, probably the best relational advice I've ever gotten is don't ever, 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 ever have tough conversations or give bad news via email. Ever, (laughs) ever. If you are imagining your life as this well-oiled machine and all of its intricate working cogs and wheels and springs, and they make up all of your relationships, all of those things could be doing exactly what they should be doing, what they were designed to do, what they were built to do. But if something in the timing is off, if something is not aligned with the other moving parts, those very mechanisms start to grind against each other. They start to squeak and squeal. And if left unattended, they can cause real devastating damage to those relationships. So when we feel that tension in our relationships, when our relationship with that friend or that family member begins to feel like a grind, there's some squeaking and some squealing going on. We need to step back and ask ourselves, are we out of step? Now, some of you have been arguing with me in your head this whole time, and and you're thinking, Jess, okay, listen, yes, someone came to mind when you asked me to picture someone who I have friction with, who I am experiencing tension with, but listen, this isn't just some little miscommunication. This isn't a difference in personalities. This person did something horrible to me or someone I loved, and I acknowledge that that is definitely a reality that many of us face. There are times where people have really, truly hurt us. And I want you to know that we are going to talk about that next week. How is Paul going to encourage us to handle those situations where it's not just a misalignment or a misunderstanding, but no, someone has really hurt us in a malicious way. How do we deal with people that Paul calls our enemies. And we'll talk about that next week. But today, I do want us to continue to focus on that person or people in your life who you are out of step with. And this is the person that you probably vented about to a trusted friend or spouse recently. This is the person who's making you dread Thanksgiving. This is the person who the sight of their car in the parking lot makes your stomach Titan today is about that person. Because this is what I believe. I believe so often what happens in our relationships is we fall out of step with someone and then the pressure of the grinding and the squeaking causes us to do or say something or causes the other person to do or say something that causes real damage. And once that damage has taken place, that's all we can see. The pieces are lying on the ground and we think, I will never be able to put this back together. The damage has been done. 
And often, I believe, if we could rewind time, if we could truly retrace our steps, we'd find that the root issue in a lot of those situations, not all of them, but in a lot of them, is that at some point we just fell out of step with that person and the gears of our relationship started to grind. When we fail to realign, it's only a matter of time. So what do we do? What do we do to avoid the damage? When we're out of step, how do we realign? Well, Paul gives us some great wisdom on this in the context of these verses. Verse 15, again, he says, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. He says in verse 16, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. And we will talk about that more next week. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. And in these verses, Paul is giving us two key ingredients for aligning our relationships, for realigning relationships that have fallen out of step. He's given us two ingredients. The first is empathy. Empathy. Listen to some of these phrases from Paul again. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. He's telling us to feel what other people are feeling. That is empathy. And he says in verse 17, do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. The NIV says it this way, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. We talked about this back in our Taming the Beast series in our episode, Bad Blood. We described taking the long walk of empathy. If we're going to exercise empathy in our relationships, we have to realize that it's a long walk to the other person's vantage point. But the reality is things look different from the other side. Let's use football as an example. I am an interesting person when it comes to football because I absolutely love watching football. But I'm not a diehard fan for any one particular team. I'm just not. I live in Baltimore, and so I celebrate with friends when the Ravens win, of course. But I also have a lot of family who grew up in or family who still live in Buffalo, New York. And so I celebrate when the Bills win. Or more often, I comfort those family members when the Bills lose. Sorry, guys. But here's what I find most interesting about watching pro football. It's the incredible amount of stress and anguish that the refs can cause the fans. And you've probably experienced this if you are a diehard fan or if you've watched a game with diehard fans. A play is executed and it's met with, of course, either cheering or groans. And then sometimes there's a few moments of tension as everybody in the room realizes that a flag's been thrown or the pass that was seemingly complete was just called incomplete or the player that we thought was inbounds is just called out of bounds. And there's kind of some chaos. There's usually silence and everybody's waiting and watching to see what's going to actually happen. And eventually a ref comes to the center of the screen and the final call is made. And that call, of course, is met with either more cheering or a wave of intense groaning. Sometimes it's even met with people storming out of the room and muttering something to themselves in the kitchen. It's really quite entertaining if you were watching from the outside in because they completely disagree 
with what this ref just said. Now, sometimes, in some cases, the coaches will challenge the call that's just been made. They'll challenge the refs. And this is where things get really fascinating as a people watcher, because with all of the advancements in technology over the last couple decades, the whole challenging process has become really intricate and really detailed. I mean, it used to be in pro football that you had a couple sets of eyes on the play and that was that. But now, now we've got instant replay and slow motion and cameras at a million different angles. And so when a coach challenges a call, they have it reviewed carefully in slow motion in a booth where they can watch it from different angles. And even, this is what's so amazing to me, even with all of this technology, there are many plays that just aren't obviously black and white. There is absolutely zero sense of unity when a play is under review. We're all watching the same footage. We're all watching the same replays. And some fans, of course, might concede, okay, I guess he really was out of bounds, or yeah, I can see his knee was down. But most of the time, it's not that clear. And so, naturally, when the call is finally made, half the people in the stadium cheer, and the other half boo. It is hard to see things from someone else's vantage point. And we have to acknowledge that we all have a different perspective. We all have different sets of eyes. We all stand at different distances and angles and we're invisibly influenced by our bias and our past experiences and our personalities and a dozen other factors. And you could argue when it comes to football, yes, I mean, we might have all these different angles, but regardless of who saw it or how many people agree that it was out of bounds or his knee was down or it was a touchdown or not, you could say it either was or it wasn't. I mean, there is one true reality. There is one true call to make. And yes, you're absolutely right that there is. The problem is that you and I often feel like our vantage point, our perspective is the right one. And it's not. There is only one who knows the true reality There is only one who knows the hearts, the motives, all of the intricate ins and outs of our communication and our intentions toward each other in our relationships. There's only one who knows that, and that is God. That's not us. And you and I need to fight the urge to do what we seem to be hardwired to do, which is to dig our heels in and say, no, our vantage point is right. We need to take the long walk of empathy. Paul says, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. He doesn't say, just be careful to do what is right, or even be careful to do what is right in the eyes of God, which of course we should. He says, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And in order to do that, we need to learn to take the long walk of empathy and actually seek to see things through their eyes. 
Now, I've always thought, not to brag on myself, I've always thought I was really good at this. I've always considered myself an empathetic person. And my mom tells a funny story when we were growing up, how we'd be outside playing. I'm one of five kids. I have two brothers, an older brother and younger brother. The three of us are close in age. So we were always out riding our bikes. And she said, this happened more than once where I would burst through the doors coming inside and just a total sobbing mess. I mean, in complete distress, sobbing, crying, can barely get the words out. She'd come running over to me and look me up and down, checking for blood, asking, is everything okay? What happened? Are you all right? What's going on? And when I could finally get the words out, she said, I would say something like, Eric fell off his bike. And she'd step back and look at me and say, say that again. I'm sorry. And I'd say, Eric fell off his bike and his knee is bleeding. And she was completely dumbfounded. She said, Eric fell off his bike and you're devastated. Are you okay? Did anything happen to you? No, I'm fine. Eric fell off his bike and his knee's bleeding. He'll come in in a minute. She would roll her eyes a little bit. And then she said, without fail, my brother Eric would walk in the door and his knee would sure enough be bleeding, running down his leg. But she said, what was so ironic is that most of the time, Instead of crying, he was laughing. Look what I did, Mom. He always took stuff like that in stride. And it made me look just a little bit crazy that I would take it so emotionally and cry so heavily. And I always thought growing up that that story showed me to be so empathetic and and so thoughtful and feeling and caring. But the reality is, upon closer inspection, that particular story... I wasn't really truly being empathetic. Because if you think about it, I was trying to imagine how I would feel if I was in his shoes instead of trying to understand how he actually felt. And when we do that, when we do what I'm describing, we're still looking at the situation through our eyes. And this is really important as we consider the long walk of empathy. We don't want to just walk to their vantage point. We need to seek to walk to their vantage point and look at it through their eyes. The question we need to ask is not, how would I feel if I was in their shoes? But how do they feel in their shoes? And this is where the second ingredient that Paul is giving us in these verses becomes really important important. We need empathy and we need humility. Listen to some of the key phrases from the passage again. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud and don't think you know it all. Paul says in verse 9 of this chapter, don't pretend to love others, really love them. And in verse 10, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. The long walk of empathy requires humility. And Paul's saying, take delight in honoring each other. There are many Hebrew and Greek words for honor, and they're all translated to the word honor in our English Bibles. But the Greek word that Paul uses here is t-me, and it refers to literally assigning a price assigning value, assigning worth to something. And he's saying, take delight in honoring each other. Don't just pretend to love others. He's saying, really love others. 
honor them. Remind your heart again and again that that person has worth, that they have value. And this is when we have to step back and say to ourselves, I know I'm tempted to think that my way is the best way, but I am choosing to acknowledge that your perspective has value, that you have worth, that my way of seeing this situation is not the only way. Paul says, assume that you don't know it all. And so assuming we don't know it all, here's a question, a really practical question that you can ask yourself to help you realign with someone. If you want to embody empathy and humility and realign these relationships that are drifting toward tension, here's a question you can ask yourself. Why would a reasonable, rational person do what that person just did? Why would a reasonable, rational person do what this person just did? And to answer that, you'll have to take a wide look at all of the circumstances. You'll have to stretch your brain to try to understand their unique personality, the way they're inclined to see the world, and consider whether there's been just a genuine miscommunication in the midst of all of that. Ask why would a reasonable, rational person do what this person just did? That's the long walk of empathy. And for some of you, you're thinking, oh man, Jess, with this particular person, that's going to be a really long walk. This person is not at all reasonable or rational. Assume for a moment that they are. Assume that their vantage point has real value and that they can see things from their point of view that you simply cannot see from yours. Why would a reasonable, rational person do what this person just did? Because I believe once you're able to answer that question, it will soften your heart toward that person and you will be more equipped to enter into dialogue with that person and experience the joy of alignment. To experience the joy of that squeaky squeal being removed from that tension being removed in that relationship and experiencing unity and alignment again. Because I'm convinced that so many of our most dysfunctional relationships, our most painful conflicts, have their original roots in simply falling out of step with one another. Our circumstances, our personalities, a few miscommunications make us fall out of step. And if it's not corrected, we could cause real damage. When we fail to realign, it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time before real damage is done. And so next week, we are going to talk about those things, the times when real damage is done. People really hurt us deeply. And we want to look at what God is going to teach us through the Apostle Paul, how he's going to challenge us to handle those relationships. I'm excited about this series. I hope that it's a blessing to you. I want to thank you for joining me today. If this episode or the podcast generally has been a blessing to you, if it's impacted your life for the better, please consider heading over to iTunes if you're not listening there already and leaving a star rating or a positive review. That's a way that you can help us and support the podcast. So thanks again for being here. Tune in again next week as we continue our series Dysfunctional by discussing how to handle conflict. Until then, remember to dig deep. 